Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It's April 1st of 2019, which means it's April Fool's Day everywhere else, but it's Manga Day here. Chris, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, Nick. I was going to come up with a, an elaborate practical joke to start off this episode. Elaborate. Very elaborate. Uh, but then I remembered that this holiday sucks, and it's garbage, and everything <laughs> about it's terrible, so I decided not to. Well, that settles there's, that. There's then. no punchline to that. That's the best joke you can make on April Fool's Day. No fucking punchline. Boom. Roasted. Take that, America. <laughs> America specifically. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Someone had to take it. Someone had to get my. I, I guess so. I, I had to. I had to attack someone, and might as well be America. Yeah. Gotcha. John. John Oliver already took it to WWE, so I can't come at them. Yeah. So you know. Good episode if you haven't if you're a WWE fan and haven't watched that yet. You know what's or even if you're not. You no, know, it's so. also interesting. So I guess uh, a rapper died named Nipsey. Yes. Uh Nipsey is also the name of the DJ host, the local DJ host over here, who is for the local rock station. Mm. And he is uh just an old white guy, Howard Stern kind of wannabe. So I was playing D&D &D with my friends yesterday, and one of them's like, you guys know Nipsey? I was like, yeah. He's like, he's dead. Like, what? How did he die? Oh, he was shot six times. Like, wait, what? Yeah, outside the store. Excuse me? Yeah, in Los Angeles. I was like, we're not talking about the same Nipsey. Same Nipsey. <laughs> there was a moment there where I was like, Jesus, who had it in for Nipsey? Why would anyone get well then again if he's a Howard Stern wannabe? Eh, he's probably I mean it's a low it's the local shot. I think this is the same guy who hosts that radio station I told you all those years ago that was like, Hey, call in with your worst day of your life and like a guy <laughs> called in who was just like, Worst day of my life was when my uh, little brother got hit by a car and uh it changed my family forever and he's like so sorry to hear that man awful good luck to you brother hey next caller what was your worst day ever i had hiccups and diarrhea at the same time and he's like fuck you you monster don't you care i'm like he's the guy who called into the radio station with the goofy answer i think he did what he was supposed to oh man <laughs> Chris, we've got a lot of manga to talk about today. We are short one series, but we're starting late, so I think we're going to have to get a move on this. Uh, I will also say that I've got very, very light notes prepared for this time, so it might be a little bit disjointed. So just give you guys a heads up as we kind of stumble our way through this week of Week of Manga Recap. It's cool. Recap I'll, I'll, portion. I'll handle it for you, Nick. Food Wars, best series this week. Mm. Very fulfilling. Mm. Everything else, poop. Mm, absolutely garbage every, everywhere else. Yes. Step it up. Mm -hmm. Rise to Food Wars' level. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do My Hero Academia, chapter 222, with a very odd cover page uh, celebrating um, Godzilla and Mothra in general. Uh, it's a picture of Deku as Mothra, and some other characters are watching this happen. And um, Todoroki looks bored. Yeah, Todoroki. Did. Well, I like that Ida's crying. Like, yeah. this is high art that he's watching, or he's just yeah. like, it's fucking amazing. Like, he's Kevin Smith, and he just watched anything comic book happen. He's like, I can't believe it, man. I don't know. They put parademons in the fucking movie. I don't know if this is a, specifically a parody of a poster. And so the, you know, other students there are representing like the you know actors in it uh i don't know why bakugo for example is making the expression that he's making 
the, the ah, while he crushes his soda cup. Maybe he just tried the raisinets and popcorn from uh, Whiplash. It sounds awful. Yeah, I've been wanting to try it, but I'm like, I don't want to ruin raisinets and popcorn. Or popcorn. <laughs> like, I don't want to ruin both by pouring a bat like a fucking box into a bag and being like, this is terrible. Why did I do this? Whiplash, the uh, that's the drum movie. Yeah, the drum okay. movie, J.K. Simmons. Very good movie. It's very distressing, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't watch it if you have anxiety. No. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. So last time, the doctor uh, challenged Shigaraki's authority over the League of Villains, basically said, why should I offer my services to you? What You've done basically nothing. What can you do for me? Uh, so we get uh, more insight into Shigaraki's past. We saw, you know, things from All for One's perspective, uh, at least the parts of it that he revealed to All Might back during their battle. Um, but we'd never really gotten his memories of his recollection of this yet. As we, this is a very big Shigaraki chapter, number 222, Tomura Shigaraki Distortion. And uh, so he says, like, look, I don't really remember much about my life before I met you and my master. And the doctor's like, yeah, I know. And Shigaraki says, and yet when I equip everyone, referring to his hands all over me, my rage boils over. I can't help it. Ever since that day, I've done a lot of thinking. And we basically see the moment that All for One came to Shigaraki uh, and talked about how, you know, it must have hurt how nobody saved you, how scared you were. You must have suffered and run trying to find help. But everyone just passed you by pretending not to see, thinking some hero would save the day. Who decided to make the world this way? You'll be OK now. I am here. It's a very nice twist, of course, on All Might's big catchphrase. Everything will be all right now because I am here. And uh, so this, of course, was what set him off down the path to being, you know, someone who wanted to completely destroy the hero society. As we go through this chapter, we also see Spinner in particular's reaction to things. He kind of sees how he and Shigaraki are share some similar similar traits in terms of how they felt abandoned by society and had to find their own path. Um, we also see that, um, at least according to uh, All for One and the Doctor, the hands that Shigaraki wears are, in fact, the hands that belonged to his dead family members whom he killed with his ability. And a cute I, little dog, too. This yeah. sick fuck. It would be great if there were just like, you know, a couple little little doggy paws amongst all the hands he wears. He's in his pockets. He's like, these ones don't really look as cool, but I got to keep it around, you know, for Spike. Yeah, little little Corgi got killed by his powers, apparently. But specifically, we don't know exactly what actually happened with Shigaraki. We know what All for One told him and what memories or what feelings remain in him but i don't know it seems like his head has been messed with by these guys would not surprise me at all if they altered his memories somehow i'm sure that that's not outside the realm of possibility for a big twist later in the manga uh but it is pretty visceral some of the stuff that we see uh just like some of the remains uh of dust that are inside his memory people disintegrating while shigaraki uh vomits everywhere just a little kid going. Ah, blah, blah, blah. I've been there and, before, man. Southern comfort. It'll do you in. 
He's like, no, I killed my family. I'm like, oh. Southern Comfort's not too good to drink either. <laughs> uh the doctor at this point actually asked Offer One if he should modify Shigaraki, and uh, Offer One said no. He says that uh, he expects that the feelings left behind from not having memories will remain in your heart, and as your master, I will teach you how to take those feelings and give it purpose. So Shigaraki says that you know, being covered in the hands of his family, I feel so sick that I want to vomit, but I also feel at peace. All I've got are these fragmented images, and yet it's like there's a lump of lead deep down in my heart providing an endless source of rage. It's like I'll never feel good again. So even if this here society comes crashing down, even if I rise to rule the underworld, that weight in my heart will never go away. It's why I hate everything. Every living, breathing thing rubs me the wrong way. So why not destroy it all? Why not destroy everything? So... Basically, what he has to offer to the doctor is, I know, you know, you can see what I see, that there is something waiting for us beyond all of this. So I will show it to you. I will show you heaven and hell if you lend me a hand. And the doctor's like, that sounds fucking stupid. Awesome. I'm in. (laughs) What a stupid, childish, dumbass plan of yours. That's dumb. Get out of my office forever and be crushed by the giant monster man. What he says is, what a childish daydream. Awesome. Go get crushed by the giant monster man. <laughs> so the doctor is kind of clearly insane. Like, let's <laughs> just put that out there. Um, I like how, you know, some of the people in the League of Villains are like, I'm not sure if I'm completely on board with this. Because Toga in particular is like, so you want to destroy the things that I love too? It's like, well... I mean, you guys should get what you want. Yeah, I'll make an exception for you. It's, Yay! It's such a flimsy alliance. <laughs> like, it really when is. When you look at it, and he's like, everything must burn. Like, hey, I want things. Oh, well, you'll get what you want, of course. Hey! <laughs> I, I, I love the way the League of Villains is portrayed because it is the series is very much aware that these are a bunch of asshole edgelord 20 somethings. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's okay to have a villain group. That's a bunch of tryhards posers. If it's very much aware that that's who they are. And you know, that this is the kind of group that they are. And it, you know, sets them up perfectly well to be the opposition to a group of young heroes in training. So good stuff. Yeah, we can see where it goes from here. The doctor is not 100% on board because he says, all right, look, I'm, I've got research that I'm, I'm putting together. Uh, I'll give you this. I'm I'm going to give you this power, but you need to prove yourselves first. And the big guy is, you know, unlike me. You know, he, he has not accepted you yet. If you get Gigantamachia to submit to you, everything I have will be yours to see, use as you see fit. So Shigaraki's like, all right. This has been a really long tutorial cutscene, but let's do this because he's makes video game references because he's, you know, a child inside his head. Um, Dobby's like, I'm not going to help because I've got my own thing going on and our alliance is a flimsy excuse for a bunch of people wearing stupid black shirts for, that we got a hot topic to hang out together. Uh, he specifically says, I'm not going to go die out there. So... <laughs> 
So the doctor's like, all right, then you'll help me test out this high end Nomu. So that's how that happens. Um, and uh, he also gives them little earpieces so that they can keep in contact with him. And we actually see how he activates quirks because the quirk that he used, the black teleportation thing, not belong to him. Uh, it actually belongs to a little Nomu that he's got that has tennis shoes. And he's like, all right, go go, send them back to Gigantomachia. And he twists a little vial on its head to force it to activate its quirk and sends them back to confront Gigantomachia. And Shigaraki is acting all arrogant. He's like, hey, it's the return of the king. And Gigantomachia says, a king must inspire dread, must be admired, must be strong. And we're told through narration from Spinner's point of view that we're all caught up now. They've got to fight Gigantomachia. Uh, and then we cut to the CEO that we met a few chapters ago. Um, I think that we're meant to uh, interpret that this pile of what looks like flesh is what happened to Giran. Um, and uh, there's another bit of narration that from his perspective that says the League of Villains is doomed. And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah. A sort of dark, weird chapter of... Uh... Uh, my hero uh that then brings us to the present i guess yep so uh, we'll have to see how this all fits together but we got a little bit more context for some stuff mm -hmm. and a little explanation for a few things yeah nothing mind-blowing but just kind of uh gives a little bit more of a solid picture of certain details mm -hmm. i will say that uh having gone back and double checked uh this is definitely the same character design for the doctor uh, as was the doctor that met with Deku in like episode one or chapter one, wherever you want to call it. That being said, I do want to point out Horikoshi does have a habit of recycling character designs. It's entirely possible that he designed this doctor and then decided to just reuse it later. Uh, even if it's the same character, it doesn't necessarily mean anything as far as Deku is concerned. Keep in mind that Deku's quirk had not manifested when they went to see the doctor. So maybe he did absolutely nothing to him and maybe he just used his position to look for interesting quirks to report back to all for one. Yeah. So it might also, it seems like it would be such a weird plot or like plot twist to be like Deku had a cool quirk all along and that doctor just lied to you to be like, so did everyone just go solely based off the word of one doctor that Deku had no quirk forever? Like, like, the fucking school doesn't do any checks or anything like this. There's no, like, medical exam that picked up, like, hey, this seems kind of weird. <laughs> then, you know, he, the doctor turns to look at the camera, and he's Lupita Nyong'o, and he just gives a creepy smile. And then it cuts to, you know, a bunch of people holding hands. And that's the end. I vaguely get this <laughs> reference. <laughs> I was like, Lupita, yeah, I'm, I'd solved uh, <laughs> Black Panther as well. Oh, no, this is not Black Panther reference. <laughs> Oh, this is a good movie, but it's weird. Okay. Uh, let's move on to Food Wars. It's the fight between Soma and Asahi. Asahi is going to use his cross knives. Yeah. Uh, people have shown up to cheer on Soma. Ray. And Soma's like, yeah. And then Asahi's like, I got this knife here. Whose knife do you think this is? And then Dojima's like, is that the knife I think it is? And Joichiro's like, yeah, he just fucking said it as my knife. But he says, like, oh, oh, he didn't win it for me. I gave it to him as a keepsake the last time I saw him five years ago. 
yeah, I just gave it to him. I told him, make you here. I used it in my school days. And then he used it in the match against me to beat me. He's like, yes, I used his own knife and crossed it with another knife to defeat him. Yes. He's like, so I'm going to take the better version of your knife, the one I used to beat Joey Tro, and use it to blow you right out of the water. Okay. And then, yeah. Mana says that they're going to have a very special Shokugeki one in which they have to use the five grand cuisines of the world French, Chinese, Turkish, Indian, and Italian. And they have to combine them all into a single dish. That's the theme. And so Asahi's like, I've got Saiba's knife here. Which of my many other knives should I cross them with? And he's like, I've got ingredients. And someone's like, I'm going to beat you. That's the chapter. So a couple notes. One, and this is probably just me being ignorant of of cultures. I've never heard of Turkish (laughs) as like held up as one of the like, I've never been to like around a place, like driving around and they're like, oh, it's a Turkish food restaurant. I'm sure they exist. But I I, look, if you were to base it solely off of restaurants around me, totally understand Chinese, Japanese, Indian. Uh, You'd have to put Italian uh, random ass pizza places and then like, I don't know, like a a Haitian restaurant or uh, like a Caribbean, something like that. I've I've never heard of of Turkish, but that might just be me. So who knows? Uh, It's weird that like we're kind of setting this up at the start and I like I get that Jorichiro's is one knife that feels very significant and important. Um, I'm kind of like in my mind thinking like what's the other like the other knife feels like it's to be super significant too. Like I hope he actually explains what he uses for it and it's not just oh I used a bunch of people or something. Like I don't know who he could use for a second knife and have it be just as significant as Jerry True. I guess the only person who really would be someone on that level would be Tsukasa, but like I don't know. It feels like there's this weird thing where we can get like more excitement out of this, but we're not doing it yet. And then just in general, it's like uh, kind of like a boring theme to like finish this off. Although I guess there's still the fight afterwards. Do you still think there's going to be another arc after this? If uh, Soba's like, cool, if I beat you, then it's like I beat my dad. Uh, I did uh, talk a little bit about this on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were talking about their disappointment with the series and it pointed out like, you know, Chris makes a point about, um, this could be the final arc because it's very easy to say, like, oh, yeah, he beats, you know, Asahi and thus by proxy, he overcomes his dad. And also this could be the thing that makes him realize that Arena is the person he wants to make food for. And that's the big thing that goes back to the start of the series where the key to becoming a great chef is to uh, find that one person you want to give good food to. Given that Arena is going to be the last the person in the finals, then I don't know. Uh, at this point, I just want this arc to be over yeah. um, one way or the other. If it leads to the end of the series, then it'll be a disappointing ending. If it doesn't, then hopefully it'll get better. Um, uh, this The arc has definitely kind of killed my love of the series uh, in terms of like, I don't really feel like there's going to be much good going forward. But if another arc does come from this going later, then I hope that it would be better. Uh, and I still kind of feel though, it's like, I don't really think that this is going to be the ending though. I, I know. I just, no, I just feel fair. it. So that's fair. 
but I could very well be wrong. So, all right, let's move over to Eden Zero, Zero. chapter thirty-seven. Great kaiju shiki. Is there some sort of kaiju thing? Is it like an anniversary of Godzilla or something? Is that why we got that in this and Mm, My Hero Academia? I think it's just coincidence right now. I know that the American production of the Godzilla (laughs) thing, that sequel comes out in a couple months, but I don't think they'd be doing anything except for that. I don't know, though. Who knows? Uh, So last time it was revealed that Hamora was not Hamora at all. It was, in fact, a super sexy spy lady who took over Hamor's appearance, and the real Hamor was there uh, escaping from prison and basically confronted her in the woods. And I, I feel like we didn't comment on the fact that, of course, it was a super sexy spy lady. <laughs> that was With the- a cat suit that only revealed her cleavage and went all the way, the cleavage went all the way down to her belly button. Yeah, yes. like that wore exactly the suit you would imagine. So they have a whole discussion about like you know oh so you're a spy and she's like yeah and i'm actually after draken joe and you know i couldn't use my account so i just had to find some with lousy security uh you know it is a shock to learn that jesse knows you though oh just talking to myself gotta kill you now so die so she shoots at her a bunch of times and hamora's like guns are useless against and then she realizes that she just shot her rabbit i think a bunch of times and falls off yeah uh, and she laughs and is like, all right, goodbye. Wait, no, I have a sniper rifle. Goodbye. And she shoots her. Uh, but Hamor is very skilled and reflects the sniper rifle bullet all the way back. But she logs out before uh, the agent could be hit. So she honestly, goes. that is kind of cool. <laughs> and we go to she just baseball bats this sniper bullet. <laughs> We go over to the terminal center where she logged in. She comes out. She says, whew, ah, it's good if I logged out even a second later. But that's okay, because no one will ever catch the real me. And we see her face, and it doesn't have any facial features on it beyond, like, the bottom of a nose and a mouth. And the rest of it kind of looks like a pane of glass that's been shattered. Or, like, a face that just has, like, a bunch of, like, blood vessels, like, giant blood vessels popping or something. It's a very disturbing kind of visual. Did you ever watch Batman Beyond, Chris? No, I don't watch garbage. Uh, you don't watch um, wonderful cartoons. No, okay, it's, fine. No, it's fine. I'm sure it's good. I, I watch. I watched a couple episodes. And the uh, proxy of or the XP of Scarecrow in that series um, used like virtual reality manipulation mm-hmm. uh, in order to trick people, and he wore a costume that had like a pattern that reminds me of uh, that. This reminds me of. So, good dig it. So going back to the fight between Jamie and Shiki, uh, Hermit's like, well, if he's cheating, then we should use cheats of our own. So Weiss stops being a, a creepy female avatar that he gropes all the time. You, you could have just you could have just done that at any time, apparently. Yeah. And uh, he's like, well, now, I don't consider myself a game I don't. But if the other guy's cheating, there's nothing wrong with us cheating. So he decides that he's going to use his ether gear. Uh, but he doesn't know how it works because <laughs> he's like, I don't know code. I just know shit. And that's how I figure it out. So uh, Hermit yells at him. Calls him an idiot, basically. And Jamie's just busy kind of talking shit because he knows he's unstoppable. So Hermit's like, fine, I'll do the program then. I'll be completely fine. And I'm going to run your cheat to use the account. And you're the one who's going to be banned. And I'm like, what? company 
still runs like cheat running technology for a planet made of data. <laughs> like I'm still confused. Is Digitalist a real like is Digitalist still a game that people play or is it like no, it's abandoned. Is it like an economy that exists independent of itself? Do people? I don't know, Chris. I don't care. <laughs> Do people go and come and trade with the digitalist? Does it have the power to vote in elections? Does it, <laughs> does it have like sovereign power? Like, what is digitalist? Now, see, it's it's like the it's like the Samoan Isles, Chris. You know, so they 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 vote, but it doesn't count. Like, <laughs> and they make a deal that they have to send at least three people to wrestle with WWE every year. <laughs> Every year. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Hermit basically undoes all of Jamie's technology, then cheats to make all of Shiki's stats multiply. And the way that's portrayed is he becomes a giant monster kaiju and he smashes by missing. If you look, he actually super misses Jamie right there. Jamie's yep. fine. He's okay. Uh, but apparently it still hurt him. And uh, Hermit gives the cool line of like, did you really think you could beat me at programming? Fucking nerd. Get on my level. Yeah. Scrub. And that's the chapter. So yeah, the right. group's got a all super right. cool hacker girl. Nick, this is, this is a trope I've never seen in an anime before. Never. Never in anime have they had a super hot anime hacker girl. No. I, hope they I mean, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but <laughs> I, immediately I was like, someone watched Futaba and fucking Persona 5 recently. No, I don't. I don't do Persona, so that would be why you should. I don't really want to go that ra- down that rabbit hole. And if you ever tell if you ever tell me it's like you should do a thing and it's like, what part of the series should I start? I was like, oh, the fifth one. So like, no, no, they're all stay n- away from that. They're all, they're, none of them are like continuously connected it's like jojo i don't care all right it's like (laughs) it's why it's why i can't get into final fantasy (laughs) now those are all completely separate (laughs) exactly no staying away (laughs) all right hell or Higuma, chapter 14 finding resolve part one it's a flashback to six years ago when Higuma was was age nine a little piece of shit Wanted to get the 3DS game because that was six years ago. I feel old now. And his dad was like, no, it's too expensive. Wah. You're nine. Stop crying. And his aunt was like, just buy him the fucking game. And she, and he was like, thank you, auntie. And she's like, shut the fuck up. Stop crying. <laughs> stop. Buy him the game so he'll stop crying. Being annoying. <laughs> and then just the whole family's arguing because like she's got a cigarette in her mouth and eating and Higuma's dad's like, don't smoke in front of him. And she's like, it's not lit. So eventually. I feel like all your enthusiasm for the series has left the moment you were like, it's just fucking canceled like shit. It doesn't help that Higuma's a little piece of shit all through this chapter. His dad is like, if you promise to come with me on the next job, I'll buy you the game. And Higuma's like, oh, I don't need it then. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy you the game now so that way you'll have to come with me on the job. No! We find out. That Higuma hates violence in any form, except video games. Which is very bizarre twist on that, on that whole thing. Video games cause violence. Nope, just look at Higuma in Hellworn Higuma. So, um, <laughs> he only plays video games and abhors violence in every other form. 
uh, on the notion of people who hate violence, we recently just did the bonus podcast where we we spoke with Austin from Dice Funk about Magic the Gathering yes. lore, and I just yes. learned a piece of Magic the Gathering lore that was very interesting to me. There's a character okay. called Karn. He's a he's a golem, basically a robot, uh, and he's a pacifist. And a bunch of people captured him, and they wanted to torture him. And the way they decided to torture him was to throw him in a box that was constantly tumbling, and then to throw other creatures inside with him. So he would unknowingly, unconsciously crush them underneath his giant weight and kill them. And that's how they decided to torture him, is they would constantly make him be responsible for the deaths of these, like, little goblins and things. And I was like, that's super dark. That's fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) So, Hugo is a pacifist, hates violence, doesn't even watch sports because it gets too violent. Uh... And uh, we see, you know, shots of Higuma as a kid playing around like other, you know, other Hellwarns, you know, come across him and stuff. Uh, we see him with playing with young Kabata and stuff. But we find out that 400 years ago, an ancestor of the Kagarite family helped a spirit known as the old man break out from hell. Once freed, the old man invoked a spell of the goddess and released multitudes of fugitive spirits that terrorized the realm of the living. We're still cleaning up after our ancestors' mess. It's our duty and our punishment. And if Higuma runs from it, he'll be sent to hell when he dies. So, the yeah, answer telling the dad, like, you've really got to make sure that he fucking learns and so that, you know, he'll actually become a hell warren because Emma's going to cast him into hell if he doesn't. Anyway, let's go do our job. <laughs> Uniforms with horns. Woo. Uh,. Then we cut over to Higuma, who's arguing with the, with Enma. He's like, this sucks. Fugitive spirits are sad. Why, why do they have to go to hell? Why can't we forgive them? And Enma's like, well, okay, there's the whole life essence thing, so that's impossible. But hey, there's the other thing. Uh, look, think of it like this. If a fugitive spirit hurt you or someone you cared about, could you keep from getting angry? Could you still say the same thing? Higuma's be like, it's like, I would have to. Instead of thinking of how I could punish them in retaliation, I'd much rather think of how I could forgive them. I know people who do bad things are the most wrong, but I don't like it when they have to make them suffer. So, okay, fucking flower child. Jesus Christ. So, the great wisdom of this nine-year-old kid, uh, of course, is going to be horribly corrupted when he has to become a hellworn when his parents die. But how does that happen? Well... We see the at the end of this chapter, after we get some important information about Emma, that the person that, you know, Higuma talks to is not actually, you know, the Demon King. It's more just like a puppet that takes human form. He's like, he's not your friend. He doesn't care about you. All right, cool. So his aunt goes out to the woods in the middle of the night and meets up with Kuyuri Engetsu who says, if you lend me your support, I'll have all I need to destroy the great King Enma, and then your penance will be over, and you'll all be free. Oh, no. I wonder how this turns out. It it, it ends with Kiko's family dying. No! It, oh, no! All right. I really don't like Higuma as, as a kid. He's just really annoying. <laughs> but Nick, it, do you? It's like... amazing that we get two chapters in a row of flashbacks to the main characters past when they were a little kid, and in one of them, you get this whole intense explanation of how one of them, you know, t- 
turned out the way that they did and w- their main motivation by, behind everything that they do. And the other is like, and this is why they don't like hurting people. Why? Because they don't like hurting people. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, Nick, are you ready to jump from one character having a backstory as a kid to another one? I am. All right. Because this one's a lot better. We're going to talk about Neolation <laughs> Process 15, a time spell. So uh, we see little Neo with little sick girl, and they're playing Tetris. And she's like, oh, wow, there's no way a kid can make this game. I Even I know that. And he's like, fine, what's your favorite color? And she's like, pink. And he's like, fuck it, of course it is. And then it leads to a whole thing. Eventually, one day, Stanny Big Banyana. Anyway, so he gets it so that all the blocks turn pink. And she realizes, oh, shit, you're actually programming this on the spot. You're very cool. I like this. Uh, it's, it's, it's so cool that you're able to do this. And he's like, oh, you know, it's. Uh, it's easy, you know, because because uh, I'm a genius, you know, and he thinks back to all the kids who used to think about and call him like, oh, you're such a weirdo. You're such a such a freak. And he's, you know, instead, the response he gets from his little his little friend is like, no, you're a genius. My friend is super cool. I'm a great judge of character. I love that line. <laughs> a weird line. <laughs> I'm a great judge of character. <laughs> a weird line for an eight year old to jump into the air shouting. But whatever, you know. Uh, so as we see that time's going on, years are kind of mm-hmm. passing and we see Neo is slowly step by step becoming more skilled with this thing. This has become sort of the passionate thing that he's following and eventually he goes to see her again. Uh, and she's, she, you know, not doing well, but she's not dead yet. Uh, but every time they come to meet, it, it's basically like, oh yeah, my fever just broke or I just woke up from a seven day nap or something like that. Mm-hmm. So He's like, oh, you know, should I just leave? And you're like, no, you can come in and hang out. Uh, so she asks, like, ah, oh, you know, it's, what's school like? You know, like, what's what's an elementary school like? And he's like, ah, it's just boring. It's just people talking about stuff. You know, classes, reading out textbooks, it's boring. And you can see that Tabari's a little bit kind of still sad. So he's like, all right, fine. How about I take you on a tour of my school? And he hacks into all of the security cameras for his school. And he's like, see, I'm showing you how to do all this. He's like, how are you doing this? It's like, because I'm a genius. And I do like how we see the level of difference from when it started, when he was like, uh, I'm a genius, to now years later, he just says it and he's not even impressed by it. And he's like, I don't know, because I'm a genius. <laughs> That's why he has kind of the dismissive attitude towards it. Yeah. But he's like... Yeah, yeah, because at first he would, because at first he was like, "Oh, you know, I I studied and worked really hard." It's because I'm a genius. Fuck, <laughs> I'm a super, I'm a super. I don't want I don't want you to I don't want you to know how much I care about you. Yeah. So she's like, "Hey, that doesn't look like a school teacher, does it?" And we see that there's a burglar breaking into the school, and I do like how even Neo's like, "I don't know why he's robbing the school. Doesn't have anything of value, but I guess I should still stop him." So he's like, all right, they have, the school has a security firm. Uh, I can't just call them and let them know because they trace it to here. And, you know, then I get in trouble for all this that I have set up. So I have to do this remotely. And he's like, I can call them on a normal network line going through the school and then using that as the origin. So they won't trace it back to me. And he calls them and he's like, a suspicious figures in the school. And they're like, understood. We'll send a kill squad to get him right away. And, then, and he gets swatted. Yeah, and then eight people start shooting him down the hallway. And they're like, good. We got that monster. Good job, Neo. <laughs> we saved the day. 
<laughs> no, they, the, a couple security guards come in and arrest him. And she's like, holy crap, you just caught the burglar on camera. And we wouldn't have been able to even see inside the school if it wasn't. And you got the bad guy without even seeing leaving house. It's like magic. You could do anything with the computer. You're like a modern day wizard. And suddenly, so much of all the little pieces of how Neo does his flair make a lot more sense. Yeah, and a little kid thought of them. <laughs> and he's like, uh, you know, that's fine. She's like, no, you gotta, you have to understand what you're doing is amazable. Uh, it's amazing. And if you put your yes, mind... Yes, it is amazingable. <laughs> amazingable. I'm dying slowly. <laughs> my, Don't question my grammar. <laughs> my vocab section is first in go-by. <laughs> Uh, no, she's like, if you put your mind at anything, not just computers, you can master it. I bet you could do anything. You could be a politician or a doctor, anything at all. And you, you, like, you have such a bright, shining future. And Nia starts thinking future, and he starts thinking about her illness in particular, and how it's, you know, a disease where most people who have it die in their teenage years, which is basically right around the corner for Tabari. And, you know, how she's mm -hmm. talking about, like, oh, what a bright, shining future you have. And he's like, will you be a part of that future? And we see, like, a shot of her, like, in the room, you know, being like, ah, you've had another relapse. You have to sit in your bed. You know, you, you got to get a compress on. It's very bad. And he starts, you know, Neo's thinking to himself, we'll be in Japan. You need to be at least 24 years old to be a doctor. And then there's the research. And then there's this. He's thinking, is it really possible that you'd still be alive if I followed that path? Even if I did everything, even if I put the same energy into learning how to be a doctor that I did into being a hacker, are you still even going to be alive by the time it's possible? So he's like, if I am a wizard, then I need to do something. And we cut over to a pharmaceutical company who's watching as all of their data is being leaked by a cyber attack, sending it out into the world. It's uh, potentially the new treatments for Tobari's disease. And he says, I'm going to accelerate the time it takes to develop medicine for a future that Tobari can be a part of. I'll use this spell to manipulate time. And that's the chapter. I'm sure that it'll work out for him. I'm, it, it almost certainly doesn't, but I do really like, I want him to have his peanuts, Chris. <laughs> uh yeah i agree i i think this chapter i think that these two chap these two chapters i think have done a really good job of making you get really attached to tabari mm -hmm. so and i think it, it really what it did for me is it really gave you a new context for neo that i appreciate like why in all the first chapters he'd be like see i can blow up your phone and it looks like a fireball wizard and you're like it's kind of silly and like a weird way of just phrasing that but when you go from this context and it all comes from this you know this little girl who's like oh wow this is so cool what you're doing is like magic and he's like oh if you think of me as a wizard then i have to live up to that and this that you know this is all actually part of right. a persona that i'm living up to possibly in honor of you at this point so it gives you a lot of context for that thing that i think really goes to establish neo's character yes so Good chapter. All right, let's move on to The Last Sayuki, Chapter 5, The Tales of Momo. Uh, last time, uh, Shige, Rinosuke's young friend, uh, came to them. His mo was about to burst, and so the father decided that in order to save him, they need to use Kohara's power in order to release it. They release the monster, make it materialize so that they can kill it while he's there. So... 
they kind of go over the details of this. And uh, the father says, you know, it's actually really lucky that he came here because otherwise it could have materialized somewhere else. We have to do this here now. Ryunosuke uh, begs Kohara to help uh, them because she, he knows that she is probably scared to use her powers like this. But he's like, I've got to save my friend. You know, he he helped me. He restored normality for me. I have to do this for him. And Kohara says, I'm not actually scared. It's true that I was afraid of using my power and afraid to speak, but that was because I was afraid of hurting others. But now I know that my big brother can defeat the monsters easily. So if you're there, then Shige won't get hurt. You, so I can do it. I'm not afraid. And she's like glowing while floating up into the air while she says this too. So the father says, all right, well, the reason why the fear grew so great, it was because he'd heard the scary story at camp about the monster Nurari Hyun. So, I'll tell you about the monster strengths and weaknesses and that way we can, yeah, you know, know how to attack it. And Ryunosuke is like, well, that means the monster in the story is one that will materialize. How do we know exactly what story it was? There are different versions of Neurorikyom because it's such a famous folktale. And his father's like, that's correct. But only one story is super scary enough for this to have happened. <laughs> <laughs> only one story is going to make you shit your pants in terror. It must come from the scripture of darkness, a collection of scary stories. He's like, look, you can get a lot about Jason, but the only Friday the 13th movie that's going to really make you shit your pants is Jason X, Jason in space. <laughs> Because, I mean, come on, he shoots people I'm pretty sure that wasn't the actual subtitle, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) It was something similar. Also, notably, the symbol that appears in the supposed tome of scary stories is the one that appears on Shige's baseball cap. So maybe that's the real reason that he knows what it is. He's like, hey, is this the book of the New York Yankees? They're like, you (laughs) fool, you can't speak that name. And suddenly Cthulhu just erupts from the ground. Like, ah, geez. Uh, The pacts with demons that they had to make in order to win 27 or however fucking many world championships. (laughs) It's a bunch of bullshit. So. Did you, uh, do you watch uh, SB Nation at all, Nick? Uh, yes, I love SB Nation. I, I started watching it, and they put out a series called Collapse, and, like, one of the first yes. episodes they did was about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I was like... And then they went, what about the New York Times? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm so sorry, Nick. And then it was, like, two episodes later, the rise and fall of the Giants. It's like, well, fuck. Honestly, the... Honestly, Tampa Bay Buccaneers from my child is a really good one to start on because it's like, yep, that sucked. Anyway, mo- moving along. Um, Nararion, he says uh, he has actually defeated the version of the Tales of Moment before. So he's like, so we've got to, you know, get, you know, we've got to plan this out properly. But if we plan accordingly, then we'll be good. Uh, and so he opens up the sliding door uh, separating the room between uh, them and Shige. Shige looks and sees Koharu floating in the air and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> So Bakarja says, in front of you. And immediately, the same way that she had said in her sleep before, to say, like, it's right behind you, uh, the monster Nurarihyon appears in front of uh, in front of Shige. Shige gets freaked out. Uh, the father strikes out with his staff, but it just passes harmlessly into Nurarihyon's head and then down through his body. He explains as he as this happens, like I, I knew it, you know, my attack goes right through it, but that's okay. 
the ability in the traditional Japanese dress and octopus characteristics, there is no doubt this is the version from the Tales of Momo. There are many different legends of him, and his well, most well-known form is said to be a kimono-clad early person. Uh, there's all these other different versions. And here's the thing. There's no way that it can be caught, and that's the, that holds true in all versions of the tales regarding him, because you can't touch it. Its ability makes humans, and the weapons they wield pass right through it. While its power is activated, no attacks can make contact with it. However, this works both ways. In order for him to be able to attack, it has to suspend its ability while doing so. Therefore, the only way to defeat him is to wait for the moment that it attacks. And he strikes with his katana, which the father blocks with his staff. And another staff comes shooting out through the room that they came in through and explodes its goddamn head. As uh, Ryunosuke basically attacked through a crack in the doors uh, behind the one that uh, the father and Koharu were in. And uh, by working together, they were able to take it by surprise and defeat it. Hooray! So um, they catch up with him later. He's like, all right, you heard these scary stories. Uh, Shige, of course, thanks Ryunosuke for saving him. And Ryu's like, well, no, Koharu is the one who did all the work because, you know, and I know that I was, you know, really hard on her the last time that we I talked with you about her, but I didn't really know her very well. And now I'm, I can say, you know, I'm actually really proud of her. She's kind, she's timid, but she's got a lot of courage and she saved me earlier. And Shige says, so she's just like you. And he thanks her for saving him and says, I hope that we can be friends too, which gets Koharu kind of embarrassed. She nods and uh, I was like, we're not done completely yet. Your Mo has now been opened. So that's good. But now that it's been left open, every time you have a fear of something, a monster will keep materializing. So I have to return it to its previous state. And this was actually the reason why I called you here today, because he had heard about Koharu. And so he pulls out a little box. And as he opens it, this bizarre shape that kind of looks like half of a yin yang symbol uh, with an eye appears floating out of it he says we will now begin the procedure and that ends the chapter dun 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 they're gonna kill that kid nick yes <laughs> that's exactly Obviously. how this is gonna go it's cool cool chapter uh you know like i really like the way that the characters are interacting in this series it makes me very very uh i'm just really really attached to the series at this point so yeah i could dig it all right, uh, we will move on then from here to We Never Learn because we're not doing Yui Kamiya. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, we did the vote and Yui Kamiya did make the three chapter cutoff. So just like Chainsaw Man, it got axed. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna go away forever. Yep. Not catch on. <laughs> Yui Kamiya gets an anime after six episodes, after six chapters. They're like, don't, oh. don't worry. There's enough material in here that we could do a uh, fucking filler chapters that still feel just as rich this is a huge universe with a lot of room to explore one, actually <laughs> uh, make up any old bullshit it'll fit right in like my name's gojo the clown and i hate yui because she stepped on my toe during a performance and now i'm the laughing stock of the clown community so i became a also, serial killer girl that's attached to me somehow my maybe i am a hot girl yeah. or maybe they're also yeah. my childhood that <laughs> yojo the clown is also super hot and she has a super hot daughter <laughs> who's the same age they're twins yes from future timelines all right this is we never learned question 105 a maiden's invitation inadvertently reflects a pizza bed so uh we start the chapter off with uwega coming home and uh he's like hey yeah i'm home 
And she's like, oh, you're you're out late. Don't of the study too hard. And he's like, oh, you know, I was working. Uh, I or I mean, OK, mom. <laughs> so he's, he's thinking back to himself at this at this point. Uega has had pretty much a significant chapter with just about every character, like every one of the girls thus far who have kind of mm-hmm. talked to him about the fact that he's made this decision, but he hasn't told his family about it yet. Right. So he starts up by being like, Mom, I've decided what university I... And then his little siblings interrupt. And they're like, look, we found lots of edible greens today. We do good now? And uh, he's like, yeah, I guess so. And we see Uega's sister looking on, his little sister. So His oldest sister, yeah. Yeah. It's the, a, one, his the younger, one who's his, a bro. His younger sister, but the one that's his, like his, two years His ago. bro-con sister. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so we find out that Raka... Uh, Ruka, rather, is going to do uh, sort of like a special guest training thing with the junior high school, which is where uh, his sister goes. So it works out pretty conveniently. They're like, yeah, you know, you just got to watch what I do. See? And then she just swims across the pool and she's like, so that's basically how it's done. They're like, how the fuck are we supposed to get anything? You didn't even say anything. Uh, she's just like, watch carefully. But you ain't a sister. So like that, you know. Yeah, just do that. Uh, but Uega's sister is enamored with her. She thinks she's amazing. She's like, oh, it's so cool. You you came by, even how busy you are and everything. Uh, she's like, oh, how, how's my brother doing at school lately? You know, he, he's coming home late so often. He seems exhausted. I'm kind of worried. I just hope it's probably not because of those damn parasites. Uh, because she distrusts all of uh, the women that are in his life, basically. Although she presumably doesn't realize Ruka is one of them as well. So. Maybe she somehow has remained ignorant of Ruka's crush on Yuiga the same way that he has remained ignorant of it. Yes. I mean, she's also part of like a multiple layers of like, oh, well, I, you did. Oh, I thought you. Uh, I guess we were just misunderstanding. Sorry, nothing by it. Oh, when you sent the sexy picture to my brother, I guess that was a mistake. Yeah, you must have. I understand how that could happen. <laughs> you oh, it was a dog. Okay, got it. <laughs> so. What we find out is that uh, she was invited to go spend some time with Uega. And he's like, wow, you're such a great cook. And she's like, yeah, I made these loaded with garlic to give you energy. And I made some extra so you could take them home to your family. And I like how Uega's like, are you a god? Like, he's like, this is the best. (laughs) Free food for me and my family. Thank you. (laughs) And he's like, oh, you know, like. You don't usually ask me to help you out with your homework at your house. You even made me dinner and everything. And she's like, yeah, yeah don't worry about it. And he's like, so are we alone here? And he's like, yeah. And he starts thinking about like, oh, these things are loaded with garlic and energy. And you gets really haunt for a moment when he's just like, I need all that energy to fuck her brains out. No, what am I thinking? I'm a sweet, innocent boy. <laughs> Uh, and then immediately she uh us up beside him and she's like, hey, check out this comedy duo I like. You know, they're really super funny. It's Headpiece Man and What's <laughs> Up? <laughs> My two favorite characters. I love that <laughs> like, she made a fucking 20-year-old joke. Ah. <laughs> So he's like, ah, you know, this is so crazy. Hey, hey, get back here so you can study and everything like that. So they're going to study. And they start playing, like, she starts playing footsie with him a little bit. And it was weird for a moment because I was like. It really was because I was like, 
That's very deliberate on her part. <laughs> it is, and it's also interesting because it's I don't know why. It was where I was like, is it like kite like I don't know. I, I don't know how to phrase it, where I'm just like, it felt like a like I don't find it sexy, but it felt like a very sexy thing to put into the manga very, where she was very, just playing around with his feet. <laughs> for a series that it is kind of weird because even for a series where there's all sorts of ass shots, you know, and the mm-hmm. pants turn into thongs and everything like that. It's a weirdly erotic scene. Yeah. That's probably the better way to phrase it. And I like how you wake is just like, what the fuck's happening? Am I imagining this? What is she doing? What are you? And then she's like special technique. And she jams her feet like point first into the like into the bottom of his feet and she's like uh, is it working i'm giving you a pressure point massage she's like what do you know stop <laughs> and he finds out that his little sister told him that he'd been exhausted so she was trying to help him like get better you know getting toasty in the house watching a funny video eating those energy boosting uh pot stickers and uh having it all relieved with a foot massage and she's like yeah plus garlic is good for fending off parasites and he's like what i love the expression she makes in that one because she's like also this <laughs> uh, and he's like you know thanks for being so concerned with me about all this she's like hey have you talked to your family yet like the money thing in particular, like you've been working like crazy. Don't tell me you plan to take everything on yourself. And he's like, eh, I kind of thought I would. And she's like, no, no, stop. And he's like, well, how did you talk to your parents about staying abroad? And he's like, uh, and she's like, uh, and it cuts to her doing a sliding cowtail. She's like, let me study abroad. And they're like, yeah, no, makes sense. And she's like, well, what I've kind of learned is that sometimes kids are too much and we do our own thing. And that's why we have to count on adults and appreciate them with undying gratitude and then later pay them back twice over. Or at least that's how I aspire to be. And Uega's like, hmm, he seems he seems moved. And Ruka's like, you want to be an educator like your dad, right? And uh, he's, he's like, whoa, how do you know about my dad? Wait, did I tell you he was a teacher? And she's like, nah, your sister did. Uh, and he thinks how he wants to be the kind of teacher who meets their students at their level because that's what someone did for me once. And you remember how you said that to me? From the look on your face, I kind of thought it might have been him. She grabs Uega's hand. She's like, I love how much you care for your family, but in order for you to be happy, you really have to let your others care for you too. There's a lot of people who want to support you, Naruyuki. I guarantee it. Even I, I could always support you if necessary, which this scene would have had a lot more impact if she didn't stand up. And I don't, I don't know how this has happened. This is a point where I'm like, I, ass- I don't know what her pants are made out of that. It vacuumed up her anus this much. <laughs> like you, you look at it and you're like, does she even have legs or is she like a Lego person where like you just can snap different pieces <laughs> off or something? Like, I almost don't assume those two legs have connecting tissue at this point. <laughs> Those were those were Haori before she came in. <laughs> uh, so you wake like, wait, what? And she's like, huh? And then she's like, uh, foot to foot pressure massage and stabs him again. <laughs> so with newfound confidence, I like the way that it's phrased too, because he, because she's like, I could always support us. It's like you know when we get married, I'll support. I mean nothing. Shut up. <laughs> she's like. I said, 
Oh, that's not a lot of garlic. Hey, you want to watch that comedy video again? What's up? <laughs> Get out of my house. <laughs> uh, so we cut over to you again. He's going back home and he's like, thanks, Aruka. You know, you gave me what I needed. I'm going to do this. So mom, I need to talk. Opens the door. And he's like, huh, why is nobody here? Ah, oh, man, I, I reek of garlic. I should brush my teeth before we talk. Goes in the bathroom. What? Carissa's there and she's naked? Chapter end. How many times is this? I'm going to, like, have to go back and count the number of times that Yuya has come across Kirisu, just Kirisu, naked. Because mm-hmm. it keeps happening. At this point, it's, like, not even, like, a thing that I'm just going to, like, roll my eyes because it's a sexy thing. It's just, like, it's just a running gag. Yeah. Like, I... I it, it's, it's, you know, it's a very special thing. Look, I'll be honest. I was super excited by this chapter for the most part because mm-hmm. I like the way that Aruka and uh, and Uega had this kind of chemistry and how she was kind of like trying to convince them like hey you know you, you take all this on yourself and that's admirable but yeah the people support you you know comes this and Uega's like finally I'm gonna go home and do this and as I mentioned we've had basically a chapter a piece now or like a small miniature arc in some cases where characters have kind of been like you you need to talk to your family about this or you need to decide for yourself what you want to do and having like that moment with aruka was like okay it's kind of like the last one i need to do and then at the end of the chapter it's like no let's do another karisu chapter i'm like god damn it fuck man i this better be like a short ass thing because i actually really just want to get to talking to his fucking parents about that or his mom about this his family yeah agreed and, All right. Uh, I guess we just go straight into Seven Deadly Sins as well, because we have no Dr. Stone this yep, week. Yep, there's no Dr. Stone. Next week is going to be chapter 100 of the series, but no Dr. Stone this week. Yep. So instead, we're going to talk about Seven Deadly Sins, chapter 305, Death Throws. And I never realized that's, <laughs> how, realized that's how you're supposed to spell the throws, I guess, with an E instead of a, a W. I always assumed it yeah. would just be like that. Hmm. Interesting. You learn something new every day. Anyway, everyone's beating the shit out of the Demon Lord. Bond's beating the physical body that he's taken over with Melodius, and then Melodius is beating him inside the subconscious. And uh, the Demon Lord's trying to be kind of braggadocious. He's like, I'm the Demon Lord. I have no need for weaklings in my bloodline after striking down Zeldris. And Bond's just like, who cares? And punches him into like a spiral. And he's like, what the fuck? And then Melodius. In the great words, in the immortal words of hardcore Bob Holly. Who cares? <laughs> Please don't drop me on my neck. Ouch! <laughs> this is another really great quote, right? <laughs> Brock Lesnar, I'm not going to let you exactly. powerbomb me, but don't you dare <laughs> drop me on my neck now! I'm not going to fully cooperate with this powerbomb, but when you do powerbomb me, you better not break my neck. Ah, you broke my neck! <laughs> I'm going to need a world title match out of this. It's going to suck. <laughs> Everyone's excited for that, right? The Bob Holly World Championship title reign scene. Great time. Look, I love Bob Holly, but no. <laughs> so, Melodius inside the conscious had realized, like, oh, I think the next time I have an attack, I can use it to beat the Demon Lord. And that's exactly what he does. He, like, concentrates all this, these orbs of dark energy, and he's like, be gone from me, trillion dark! And we see all these blasts go through, just rip straight through the Demon Lord, who, in his subconscious, is torn apart, and the physical one seems to be in horrendous pain as well, as Bond's still just beating the shit out of him. 
uh, when suddenly he starts kind of erupting with this dark energy and like zigzagging around through the air. And Bond's like, what's that? And uh, I believe it's Merlin who says this, who says that's the Demon Lord's death throes. Like, what he's doing now is he's going to try to take the captain out with him. So we have to drive the body out now. Punch him more! Yeah, beat the fuck out of him! Uh, so there's a moment when Hawk runs up to Elizabeth. And he's like, did you see Melodius? Was he okay? And she's like, yes, but why didn't you come? And Hawk's like, well... And we don't get a follow-up on that quite yet, though. I'm sure mm-hmm. we will. As we then cut over to Bond trying to stop this guy being like stop being such a sore loser and trying to like hold him still but the moment he does that and like he kicks him up into the air where uh elizabeth merlin and king all combine together to create like a super three-layered prison seal that should presumably hold him for a moment and he's bouncing around and, and doing all sorts of stuff but then he breaks out of it and uses his final secret move, meat. No, 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 no. That's not his. That's not his final secret move. That's Hawk's final secret move. Is it? Oh, yes. Wow. So, okay, this makes a lot more sense. I really thought the Demon Lord was like, I'm gonna use meat darkness. So the the Demon Lord, like his eyes are glowing with power and stuff. He's like, Aah! and then Hawk's like, nope, and then grabs him around the head and and stops him. <laughs> Ah, that makes a lot more sense. So Diane takes this opportunity. She creates Diamond Tower and this enormous, like, giant spire made out of crystal shards launches the Demon Lord straight up, kind of has him, like, placed up there. And then Bond runs all the way up. It's like a fucking scene out of Sonic the Hedgehog. He just runs straight up the surface, like, the side of this giant fucking Tower of Diamonds, gets to the very top, and then punches the Demon Lord straight through the fucking mountain of diamond they created. It is stupid awesome. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, you know, like a Naruto video game Mm -hmm. or similar where you get the full combo. So then you just get to go through the cinematic instead of having to, you know, actually execute all the individual moves. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, this was just, like, seven hits that went on for our combo, and then after it's done, you're like, that took out seven-eighths of my health. Why is this even in the game? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, did it do it? And they're like, yep, it did. Welcome back, Melodius. And he's like, boy, oh, boy, my body's a wreck. <laughs> Everything hurts. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but that's the end of the chapter. They managed to beat the Demon Lord out of Melodius. Yep. Very cool chapter. It's such an epic kind of chapter. Like, just the, the fact that everyone kind of felt like they were cool here, except for Escanar, but uh, he did his shit, I guess, already, so they didn't give anything there. But I'm glad, like, Diane had a cool part to play in all that, too, creating a giant tower of diamond that was, like, the centerpiece of the cool final action set piece. It was a very cool, well-choreographed little conflict there, and I liked it a lot. Yeah. Let's go down to the Promised Neverland, then. It's chapter 129, My Burden. Oh, the chapter wasn't called Fuck You, Chris, and your suggestions last week? (laughs) So last time, uh, Emma and Ray set off to try and execute her plan so that Norman wouldn't have to commit demon genocide. And we uh, 
Notably, in the end of the, the end of the last chapter, when they were their conversation was wrapping up, I noted that Norman didn't seem entirely too convinced. He still seemed troubled. We find out why this chapter. Uh, turns out he's a piece of shit. <laughs> we see him looking, thinking over the conversation. And he flashes back to uh, that first part of the series when he decided to leave. Uh, so that he could protect the rest of the family and his parting words to them. And so he heads down into this basement with Zazi and uh, meets up with the other generals of his, where they have this giant demon strung up, uh, held down with hooks and manacles and punctured with like javelins and drills and arrows. And there's all sorts of different weapons surrounding them that they've clearly used to torture it. And uh, Norman says it's been a while since he's been down here. One of the generals is like, I come here all the time. It's relaxing. Cicero is uh, concerned because they know that the, uh, you know, Norman's friends don't want to eliminate the demons. So they're like, did they, you know, get to you boss? Do you, did they want you to not do this? And he's like, listen, there's no, change the plan but there is however uh the issue that the evil blooded girl is alive and they're like what what should we do he's like "Eh, don't worry about it i'll deal with it um and she's there is a complication because she is apparently friends with emma and the others they're really pissed off about this especially barbara who says like how can you make friends with demons because that's not what demons are like that's not how we're supposed to see them and we see a bunch of flashbacks from her perspective growing up on a farm uh, leaving apparently along with Cicel this uh, when they graduated and then being tortured. And uh, she, you know, has a flashback to this and her head starts to, to according to her split. And they're like, it's the usual attack. Uh, they need to give her medicine. And uh, apparently the interval has been getting shorter in the past few days for all of them. So they give her a, a bunch of pills and uh, she calms down after that. And uh, Vincent says that they're having to take heavier doses more frequently. The symptoms are getting worse. Perhaps we don't have much time left. Seemingly, the experiments that gave them their strength have had horrible side effects. Mm-hmm. No surprise there. And Barbara, this is one of the things that she's like, see, you know, this is what it means to be a human to the demons. This is how they treat us. If only demons didn't exist. That's when they bring up their concern. Like, you're not going to, you know, betray us, boss. You're, you're going to go through with this. We're going to kill all the demons, right? And we get this big two-page spread. So we can actually see a better, bigger part of the room where there are all these jars of demon parts inside of them, uh, including, like, an entire brain and nervous system. Uh, as Norman says, I've come this far. Of course, I'm not backing down. We get a flashback to February of 2047 where they gathered up a bunch of research data from Lambda. They're like, yeah, most of this is about us, but there's no information about what demons eat and how they change and regenerate and degenerate. Your data is severely lacking. And that's what happened to all the demons that were in the research center. They're still there in different parts. And uh, Norman thinks to himself in narration, I'm not wavering. I started everything. I did it with my own hands. All of this is something I have to bear. Emma and Ray are kind, but kindness alone can't win in this world. If I hadn't chosen to be shipped out, would everyone have been able to escape? I have no regrets. I want to save them. Emma and the others, Cislo, Barbara, and everyone else. In order to do so, 
I will gladly become a god or a devil, Emma. Callers beckoning back to what Emma said in the previous chapter, you don't have to become a god, but he is willing to. And uh, we get this pretty awesome final image of uh, Norman as like a grim reaper on one half and like an angel on the other. So he's kind of gone all the way over the deep end, it seems. And uh, it looks like he is definitely not going to wait and maybe won't even listen to Emma and Ray when they come back. So I do like how this chapter does show you because last chapter made you think that he was kind of still that kid from Gracefield Farms, just an older version. But this chapter really goes to show you that he's experienced something very different from everyone else. Uh, not just in the fact that, you know, he's done these these things of like, you know, uh, dissecting demons, essentially, and keeping their parts in jars. But just the people he surrounded himself with, like, there are people mm-hmm. who are having horrible panic attacks around him because of these demons. People who are like, I lost everything because of them. So it makes a lot more sense that Norman doesn't really see things in the optimistic way that Nem- uh, that Emma does anymore. Because it's kind of hard to do so when everyone around him are kind of, like, constantly traumatized by their experience with demons. And it starts to give you a bit more context for why he's so willing to go to that extra level we see his willingness to be like, I'll be a god or a devil, really echoing his initial choice of like, I'll be a sacrifice to get everyone else out of Gracefield. He's okay with this sort of loss of his own individuality in the grand scheme of things, if whatever it means is kind of like the ultimate victory for his side. So it's it's a very mm-hmm. interesting choice. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. It's a pretty crazy like end of the chapter. Yeah. Who would have thought that the final boss in Promise Neverland uh, would have been one of the protagonists and when it, we start and off And it wouldn't series. have been Ray. Holy shit. If you'd give me $1,000 back, they'd be like, which one of these three kids is the bad guy? I'd be like, oh, the fucking Sasuke-looking douchebag over there. Of course it is. What, are you kidding me? What are you talking about? I'm completely lovable. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves Ray. Right, am I? <laughs> She's like, well, you haven't done any, like, annoying hipster nonsense. The answer is yes! <laughs> you know what? Never mind. Take him. Take him and, and dissect him, too. He's a demon. No! <laughs> I always knew I was special. Uh, yeah, so. You right. can't have my baby memories, no matter how much of my giant brain you dissect. It's gotta be enormous. I'm surprised it all fits in my perfectly coiffed head. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Let's jump over to Black Clover, page 199. I will also be the Wizard King Asta. Uh, No, it's called (laughs) Ultimate Natural Energies. So this, for good or for bad, this is definitely the most Naruto chapter of Black Clover we've had in a while. So Asta notices that Leashed is about, or Patry rather, is about to cast the spell that even... Quote, Captain Yami had a hard time fighting that one, and this time it's even stronger. It's the Ray of Divine Punishment, and Patry's just like, die, 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 die. And Asta's like, oh no, but with me and you know, the way that we are now, we're unstoppable. So it looks as though you know uses his magic to kind of help support and stabilize Asta as Asta blocks it with his sword and, uh, you know, kind of cancels out the attack. And he's like... Phew, we did it. He must have burned out most of his magic doing that. And he's like, I hate. And they're like, no, no, he's still super strong. 
So we were wrong, apparently. Uh, he goes to fire the attack again, and they're like, "Oh no, we're done for!" But then Mercury comes down and coats the heroes, protecting them in like a bubble shield. And uh, Nozella is like, "Your parrot seems slightly changed, but we meet again." And uh, Mimosa is there to remind everyone, "It's Nozell." And he's like, "I will not be as lenient as him." You can't defeat me. And then we get a very long explanation how all the magic in this series is super relevant. And all of it has a lot of different ways to bounce off of each other and everything like that. Uh, and it's like, oh, yeah. There are so. certain types of magic that are perfect counters to others. Yes. And although light magic is super strong, mercury magic, which can be so, like so carefully manipulated turned into something and then hardened into like a mirror-like surface is the perfect counter for light magic beyond cool. what i would assume mirrors themselves would just be but hey that guy's uh, unconscious right now so he can't do that uh but he does think to himself yes that said i don't intend to lose to an opponent even though i have the worst affinity with them and he's thinking of fuego leon which makes sense someone whose mm. magic is like fire and heat would probably be pretty bad against a guy whose magic is mercury and hardening it so and he's like, and for when that time comes, I've continued polishing my blades. So uh, we see that Patry is not going to just stand here and die. And he's dodging around. But Nozelle's like, aha, you've fallen into it. My Mercury creation magic silver star of execution. And it's uh, basically like a circular hell in the cell with mirrors everywhere. <laughs> like Mercury mirrors. <laughs> And uh, Patry's like, hate, hate, and tries to attack. And all he does is just ricochets his own fucking attack through the ball with him over and over again. They're like, wow, we did it. He, he was a fucking idiot and he lost. <laughs> so he's defeated. And Nozelle's like, Asta, you know, I will become the wizard king. Thank you. That's our thing, dude. You can't just do that. Well, no, they're smiling because they have a new rival. <laughs> it's it's weird that you really you you have to change like almost nothing to turn Black Clover Black Clover into a parody of like shonen manga. It's so it's like right on the edge. I mean, that's sort of. I mean, I don't really actually have anything like negative to say about this chapter. It's like it's shonen battle. Okay, fine. You know, you've got the random uh, thing that we haven't really gotten any of, which is that there is type advantages in this series, but other series do that too. It came into Naruto way later than it came into this, mm-hmm. so I was like, all right, fine, whatever. Um, and hey, someone besides you know Anasta's bullshit got to actually be the person who defeated Patrick. So cool. Yeah. Um, it looks like we still have the antagonist of this, the devil. I don't know if they're actually going to fight him or if that's like, that's what the next arc will be. The devil's out there. Gotta stop. Yeah. Yeah. I I hope that that is the case. And if this was just kind of like his eyes in arc, you know, I'm going to do all this stuff so that I can get what I want. And then the next big part of the series is going to be him at large. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's, move, let's finish off then with One Piece, chapter nine hundred thirty-eight. A woman's secret. Ooh. Look at crocodile playing with burbs. He's letting them bathe in him, which 
yeah. is a weird context to suddenly have the idea of like, oh, if you're a Logia users, animals could like bathe and shit inside of you. You're like, that's got to feel weird. What if an animal poops inside of you? And Crocodile's just like, good. Oh, that is a very weird thing. <laughs> He's like, that's what I want. Ugh, he is evil. <laughs> Last time, Zoro pulled off a super awesome badass move in order to just take one of uh, Kumo guy's scythes, hold it in his mouth, and use it to execute his three sword style and take the guy out. And he's down for the count. Good job. Uh, guy with weird name, Hugh. I'm not going to bother trying to pronounce it. It's weird. Uh, the, the bandit guy who gathered weapons and stuff sees this. And then just turns and takes his leave. And uh, Zoro collapses because he did take a really nasty wound to the shoulder. So he's out. And uh, we cut away before we're catching up with him again. We see that basically things are going wrong with the plan. Amazingly, things did not go exactly as the Straw Hats and their allies wanted them to do. Kinemon and uh, Dogstorm are trying to figure out what has gone wrong because they're like, oh, the enemy has somehow learned about the symbolic flyer and the mark of the moon. And they're like, what What do we do? And Kinemon's like, I, I don't know. I thought we were careful with our distribution. Who knows how this leaked out? And we chose this coded symbol on the off chance that it that fell into unintended hands. But now they've learned the meaning of the ankle symbols and this coded image. So it seems that our cohorts in the capital are being apprehended by Kaido and Orochi's forces. And sure enough, we see that uh, some people are being seized by uh, different goons and such. Uh, and everyone who is following Orochi says, like, ah, people with marks on their ankles are traitors. If you see something, inform us at once. We see X Drake uh, going around along with um, page one. <laughs> so. Then we uh, cut over to the Pleasure Hall, where Kyoshiro is getting reported to. We learned that Kumurasaki's wake has been canceled because there is, uh, you know, chaos going on uh, surrounding it. Uh, and uh, so they're like, what, what What should we do? You know, and uh, they're like, and so it's they say of more than a few hope folks are going to hate you for your decision to do this. And he's like, eh, I wish they'd mind their own business. There was no other way. And I'm the one suffering the most damages here. And he just not, does not look broken up about it at all, which I know that we know that this is probably a cover for, you know, this was a plan all along for Kumurasaki to get away. And she, you know, planned this with Kyoshiro, but I love that he's putting on this image. Of like, yeah, I killed her. <laughs> I'm the one who's suffering for it. <laughs> Why should I be upset for her sake? Yeah, I mean, come on. I really the guy. I'm really the victim here. But he also holds up a little flyer that has the symbol that's been passed around on. And he says Shogun Orochi's in a bad mood, and this is probably the cause of all of it. So, hmm, is he the person who leaked this the info to Orochi? Hmm. Mm. Mm. We cut over to Ibisu Town, where apparently Sanji has been getting beaten up by Nami and Robin, as evidenced by his face has turned into lumps. He just looks like a fucking thing of grapes with lips and a little bit of hair. <laughs> I love what he says because they're, you know, they're arguing over, over something, and then he's like, "Well, we shouldn't be casting doubt on each other." Anyway, I didn't see anything. <laughs> I like even Frankie's just like, how does a face get punched to make that shape? 
because uh, they, of course, have just learned about uh, someone has apparently betrayed them, betrayed the plan, and Law is arguing with Shinobu over this. Shinobu is saying that uh, Beppo and the others must have ratted them out, and Law says there is no way that that would happen, and don't insult my crew like that, but they're getting really pissed off at each other. Meanwhile, of course, Sanji is like, we shouldn't be fighting. <laughs> um. Shinobu says that they need to kill the people who have been captured. Law is like, are you serious? Come on. Uh, but Shinobu is like, you know, this is different. This is, you know, this is the way things are in the ninja world. We're not playing a game here. We've been waiting for this moment for 20 years. And if we fail, we'll never have another chance. Uh, Kandro uh, speaks of and says, come on, you know, get, stop this. I know you're frustrated, but without their help, then we're never going to be able to fulfill Lord Odin's hopes. And then all of a sudden... Oh, who should show up except what's his fucking name? I, I, I blocked it out I, because I didn't think he was going to be important. And Nick, this is the one. Turns out he is. Be re- this is this arc is not going to be me at my best when it comes to to One Piece because everyone's name's Japanese and I, I don't remember those ones so well. He's the guy with the missing teeth I from the village of poor people that took in Zoro for a bit. And he shows up and uh, he's like, oh, wow, Nami's hot. And Nami's like, I know. And then he's and then he recognizes Kondro and Shinobu and says, look at this. Look, I've, I'm on my hands on one of these flyers with this symbol. Is it true that there is a great battle brewing? He's like, oh, he found another one of the scabbards, presumably. And uh, then we cut away again to catch up with Zoro, who uh, is in a graveyard in Ringo. And he wakes up shouting, Swords! Which... I like to imagine is how Zora wakes up every day. Just stars. It's it's still one of my favorite jokes. Is when Luffy, Zoro, and Sanji all got fucked up in Thriller Bark, and they were like unconscious. And I think I, I think it's Nami or maybe it's Usopp who's like, "We need to wake him up." A beautiful swordswoman just showed up with meat, and all of them are like, <laughs> "A swordsman, meat, a beautiful woman." <laughs> oh God. So. I, I wasn't certain if it was Kamurasaki who was the one that Zoro saved. And it is. It, I, I was pretty sure. But again, it's Nami with flowers in her hair. Or not Nami, Robin with flowers in her hair. Brunette Nami with flowers in her hair. <laughs> uh, and she's like, hey, you know, take it easy. Because, look, you know, you've, you've, you've been injured. And, you know, hey, thanks for saving us before. Um, and she says, you know, I'm sorry that you you got hurt doing that and Zoro says eh, it's because of my own lack of skill that I got hurt it's not your fault anyway where'd that huge guy go I've got to go get my sword back from him <laughs> so he start, tries to run off and uh, Kumurasaki grabs him by the arm and I love <laughs> she's like no you can't go outside while you're hurt like, why did you grab my injured shoulder then <laughs> um, oops <laughs> sorry about that uh Atoko is like, yeah, hey, yeah, I, I applied some toad oil that I stole that I bought for this specific purpose. Okay, yeah, you stole it, great. Um, but uh, she says he'll recover quickly. Uh, they bring up to date on who Yukimaru the bandit is, uh, and uh, also, you know, there was that person who was chasing them down. Um, and 
they also bring up other. Oh yeah, uh, there was that one Shogun guy. Yeah, uh, what was his name? Orochi. No, it's Orochi, right? Oh, okay, Zoro doesn't still isn't doesn't care apparently about what actually what's actually going on. I'm in the land of samurai. That's all I care about. Um, Otoko makes the pun about her names. Like it sounds like it sounds like you know Otoko. You know, like boy. You know, but I'm not a boy. Isn't that funny? No, I do love Zoro. Just like <laughs> isn't that funny? Not really. And I really want the next page to just be her fucking heart crying about it. And he's like, sorry, should have been funny. <laughs> you want me to laugh? Be funny. <laughs> Tell jokes, bitch. <laughs> um, so they talk for a bit more. And uh, Kamarakasaki says, hey, so my deal is that I'm looking for my older brother. We were separated 20 years ago, and I think he might be in Wano right now. His name is Kazuki Momonosuke, and I am his younger sister. My name is Hiyori. So. Whoa, whoa, wow. There were definitely some people who had seen this coming. But, yeah, okay. Makes sense. Yeah, no, I'm glad that it, it was kind of a slight diversion from what we, we maybe thought. There was a, a bit of a suspicion that maybe it was going to be the, uh, the, the uh, consort that got killed. That, that's who that is. I thought this was Okiku. God, all, every woman in One Piece looks fucking insane. I think that this... I'm pretty sure this is with this Kamurasaki. Is this Kamurasaki or is this Okiku? I can't tell them apart. I, I thought it was... Okiku. I'm going to just like... I, 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 admit, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know them apart. I'm probably wrong. I thought it was Okiku because... Let's look up... I'm going to bring up pictures of them just so I can tell them apart. <laughs> I. It's so hard. It's like... <laughs> Okiku is the swords woman, so Zoro had met her before, mm-hmm. so that couldn't be her. So no. this has to be Kurosaki. That would make sense, I guess. But no, I don't blame you. Like they look exactly the same, except that their hair is styled differently. <laughs> like, yeah, and one is supposed to be, you know, a swords woman. The other is supposed to be the most beautiful woman in the country. So, oh boy. All right. Um, that's one piece for this week. Have any particular thoughts about the twist or no? I mean, I didn't even know who it was until apparently two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let's wrap things up. This has been weekly manga recap. Where are our favorite series? Where is the MVP? Chris, uh, for my favorite series, I'm going to give it to seven deadly sins, a super solid, really entertaining chapter. Uh, there were a lot of good chapters this week. I want to make a note of just what they were before I make my choice. Uh, Neolation was good. Last Sayuki was good. We Never Learn was good. Seven Deadly Sins was good. Promise Neverland was good. Uh, but I am going to go with uh, with We Never Learn. I thought that it was, other than the ending, which does drag it down a bit, I thought it was a very nice character interaction uh, between Uruka and Yuiga. And my MVP I'm going to give to Dio. It was a really good chapter to showcase why he is the way he is, and it makes him pretty, like, an admirable person you want to root for. And I'm going to give mine to Norman because it makes him seem like a complete piece of shit who uh, has kind of talked himself into being something that he doesn't have to be. Uh, He's kind of gone sort of the light path of uh, like, I'm doing this for, you know, a good reason. And he's just becoming a worse and worse person. But you can see why he has turned out this way. And uh, it was a pretty big gut punch to see this after the last chapter kind of lulled us into a false sense of security. Like, oh, maybe he won't be, you know, a complete evil asshole. It's like, no, no, he is. Nah, that's exactly what we're going to get. 
the audience, by the way, picked Seven Deadly Sins as our favorite, and Sugar Rocky was their MVP, which I totally get as well. Get that too, man. Yeah. All right. We are going to wrap things up here then. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for Weekly Manga Recap. We try to record the show somewhere around 7.30 and 8 p.m. Eastern time on twitch.tv slash and smashcast.tv slash You know, if there aren't horrible problems with Discord and Skype. Uh, but, uh, yeah, stay updated on that stuff to figure out, to find out when exactly we record the show by following us on Twitter. At Demember Podcast, at Rolity, at Nick F Time. Those are all the different places to follow us. You can also check out our past episodes on weeklymongerecap.podbean.com. Chris, I know that you're in the midst of trying to upload the past couple months of uh, episodes, so watch out for that, guys. Yep, we'll there are have... big batches coming up. Yeah. Recent episodes are coming. Uh, also, you can check us out on iTunes, on YouTube as well. And if you check us out on those places, be sure to leave a comment and rating so that we can uh, rise up with the algorithm, defeat the woodworkers, etc., if you have feedback you'd like to send to us or questions you would like to answer on a future Q&A episode, you can send that via email to weeklymagarecap at yahoo.com. And, uh, of course, uh, we want to thank everyone who uh, takes part in the polls that are conducted by NinjaX3i that are done through our Discord, where you can also check that out in order to make su- suggestions for future manga for us to read. Currently, we are working on Please Don't Bully Me, Nagatoro-san. And uh, also, you know, take part in the character popularity, character popularity polls, MVPs, weekly uh, series of the week, all that stuff on there. Yep. All right. So thanks to our Patreon supporters, as well as to Steve Mann, our talk artist, and to Infamous Planet. And uh, that'll do it. There we go. We're off to hit the old dusty trail, Nick, on our way to the road to WrestleMania point to sign. Yeah. We're you got to point there. to the sign, guys. Well, look. No matter what. Guys, you have to point to the sign. Yeah. And there's like 79 matches at Mania this year. So we're probably in one so of them. Many. Like if we show up, I guarantee we'll get that Andre the Giant Battle Royale. I don't know. I don't know, Chris. The fucking like... SNL guys are in there. You think Weekly Monk Recap can't get in there? Yeah. I mean, you know, the in order to not show up on WrestleMania, you'd have to be like, you know, like a wrestler who's not important. Like Tyler Breeze is what you're saying. Yeah, it's the Oscar. Like <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man, we need to do a wrestling podcast one day. Goodbye, everybody.